0: Welcome to the Turning 30 podcast, a place where I invite guests to talk open and honestly about what it's really like to turn 30. This week, I'm honored to be chatting to Brittany Allen about turning 30 and dating. I'll just introduce Brittany. She's 34 and lives in the heart of New York City. She's a dating and personal growth expert with a relationship blog, podcast, a background in launching a major dating app, and soon to be dating tech startup, Scoops, that's going to change the way we date online. Brittany is a woman on a mission to fix online dating and I'm super excited that she's here with me today. So hi, Brittany. Hi, thanks for having me. I think that this is an episode that so many of my followers are looking forward to. When I posted this on my Instagram, um, I received lots of messages because I think that turning 30 and being single and in the dating world is just something that so many people want to hear more about.
1: Right. And especially now there's kind of new obstacles and challenges with COVID going on Mm -hmm. and um, people just have kind of a new outlook on dating and being in relationships. So it's more relevant than ever, but trickier than ever as well.
0: (laughs) Yeah, 100%. Um, So I wanted to uh, just let the audience know that uh, we met uh, online. Not on a dating app, on a on Instagram, um, and we've connected because both of us have really similar uh, audiences. So obviously, I brand myself as the Turning Thirty Coach, and you brand yourself as Thirty Waves, which uh, you can explain like what that means a little bit more. But you know, you have a blog, and your uh, everything that you do is linked to being in your thirties and talking about you know helping others to uh, navigate single life and dating in, in, in your 30s. So uh, what inspired you to start up a blog and a podcast in relation to this?
1: Well, you know, I've always just been a romantic at heart, even as a little girl. And I was in a relationship, my first relationship when I was 19. And it was just mad, passionate love. And then we broke up. And I realized that I hadn't, I didn't really have anywhere to turn um, to talk about all of these emotions that I was having. I had my mom who was so supportive. I had my friends who, you know, some had been in relationships, but not all of them. And we were kind of so young and didn't really know what was going on. And so I vowed to kind of be this girl that was going to be there for other women um, throughout their 20s and early 30s um, for a support system around heartbreak and personal growth and just kind of being empowered by being single and just getting through life and not having things work out. So I've always kind of had that mindset um, Mm. with even my first breakup. And so I started a blog called 20 Waves in my 20s, which was just the ups and downs in our lives and the waves that we go through. And then when I turned 30, I changed it to 30 waves. So now um, I'm just trying to focus on teaching everyone like a personal growth hack um a relationship hack a dating hack and then a little bit of beauty in fashion in there as well but just kind of how to be um the best version of yourself
0: Mm -hmm. wow resonate with that so much you know i think lots of us who go through those the heartbreak when we're in our late teens and our early 20s i guess when when that happened for us a few years ago quite a few years ago now it was actually before social media and it was before, you know, that you could just kind of open your Instagram and go and follow, you know, somebody who is like a breakup expert or a relationship expert. Um, so it's really yeah. interesting that you've made that your mission. And I guess I also would have loved to have that uh, guidance when I was going through my teenage high school heartbreak.
1: Right. And it's not to say it's been fun. Like I've joked around that I'm like the Joan of heartache. So I'm kind of a martyr <laughs> in terms of, I don't know it. Everything to do. I'm not saying I'm right, <clears throat> but I know what not to do because I've made a lot of mistakes. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I've been in the long distance relationships. I've had the one night stands. I've had the micro relationships that last two months. I've been ghosted. I've had infatuation. I've, you know, I know the feelings of all of that. Um, and so I can personally share my stories in hopes that it can, you know, inspire other women
0: as well definitely and I feel like that's what makes you know you authentic and when we share our personal stories and our personal journeys and all of these challenges that we go through and the ups and downs you know of being being in our 20s and our 30s we have all of these you know heartbreaks or personal challenges that happen whether it's in relation to love or career or friendship even family um, and then mm-hmm. when we now come to the online space and we share this, we realize how we're all connected and we all go through it. And, then and, you know, that leads for people like us meeting on the online space and being able to have this conversation today.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Um, OK, great. So I wanted to discuss a little bit, I guess, the stigma of dating in your 30s, because I think that there is kind of bad reputation attached to it I don't necessarily agree with it and I have my own opinions on it which I'll I'll share Uh, but Mm -hmm. do you believe that there is there is a stigma attached to dating in your 30s mid 30s
1: um I yes I definitely do and I think I'm feeling it so much right now so in quarantine I actually flew home to live with my parents for two months Mm so I'm 34 years old living with my parents like our pantry is still the exact same from when I was 16. Like there's still like cinnamon toast crunch cereal and just (laughs) like all the kids stuff. And, um, so I'm really feeling that. And it's like embarrassing, even on social media. Sometimes I find myself like everyone I went to college with or high school, they have kids and they're married. Um, I'm from Seattle. So I do think in terms of People settling down in Seattle versus like the heart of New York City, they settle down a little sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a very real thing where I'm in a very different part of my life than a lot of people I grew up with. So there's a stigma even in talking about dating, like, "Oh, Brittany's still dating. Like, wh- why? Why can't you find someone? Like, I get that a lot. Like, why are you single? You seem so smart or cute or Isn't like, that the world's you- worst
0: question? Why are you single? When somebody asks somebody, Why are you single? It's just a terrible question.
1: It's, and it's like, if I knew, I probably wouldn't be, you know, or like, it's none of your business. So uh, it's been a really weird thing to be single during coronavirus now. But, um, you know, I just kind of chalk it up to everyone has their own journeys. And I've had, Beautiful and amazing life experiences, and I think the longer you're single, the more lessons you learn. So you do become wiser with relationships, Um, and every relationship I'm in is stronger and wiser. Um, So in a way, I feel very blessed for that. But I was in a sorority, which is very American, I know, (laughs) and um, there were thirty girls in my pledge class, which is like our graduating class, and. I think twenty seven are married, and probably like twenty two, twenty three have children. Wow. So I know what it's like to be an outlier, um, but I try to thrive in it instead of just dwell.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I have the same thing. I had a really I have a really close knit group of friends um, back in the UK, and uh, almost all of my girlfriends and most of my uh, boyfriends as well are exactly the same like majority of them now with multiple children and I think that the stigma exactly like you said is oh wow she's still not married or she's still not engaged or she's not you know is she not worried she's in her mid-30s and she's not having kids and it's funny because we have these milestones obviously that we don't just set for ourselves the society sets for us and it is difficult and I think that the attitude that we have to have is that like exactly like you said we've got to thrive in that situation and change our mindset and it's something I work on a lot with my clients um how can we change the mindset from oh I'm the I'm the outlier is something negative to you know I I'm in a better position now to meet the person that I want because I'm wiser and I know myself more and I understand what works for me I'm aware of my attachment styles, I'm aware of you know all the different um, things that I, are deal breakers for me, um, and to change the mindset from being something negative to being something that okay, let's accept that it's harder to meet someone now than it was when we were you know at university or uh, high school. Um, but we can still do it, and we can actually do it in a more positive and productive way
1: Right, and I think what it is is like changing the stigma you can't ever change someone else's opinions but you can change your own opinions and it's all about like rewriting the script in your head so um what i mean by that is like i had this like i don't want to say it's a lovely thought but it was a comforting thought um during all of quarantine you know i've been feeling really lonely single because i broke up with a boyfriend right before and it was a very serious relationship i thought i was going to get married and um he was it and we broke up in january and i've been dealing with that as well and so i've been really lonely but one night i was lying in bed thinking about this and i thought you know a like a house mom right now a mom with two children can also be very lonely. It doesn't mean that single people are only lonely. Married women can also be very lonely in a relationship too. Maybe they did marry someone with a different attachment style and they haven't addressed that. Or maybe, you know, they're just not having great communication or emotional connections. And so it doesn't mean that they're not lonely either. So I'm not any lonelier than maybe an unhappy like housewife or mom, you know? And so I think it's about rewriting the scripts, too, that it's such a bad thing. Like, you have to just kind of flip it around, if that makes sense.
0: It 100% makes sense. And I think I was listening to a podcast about this this week. I can't actually remember specifically who it was, but I remember nodding along and agreeing about rewriting the script that being single at any age, but, you know, we're specifically here talking about in your 30s, is the wrong way for it to be and being coupled up is the right way for it to be you know that's what society is saying to us but maybe it's that's not right that's not how it should be and it's funny because that's what we're taught and we're conditioned to believe so that when we do go through a breakup when we're in in our mid-30s or when we haven't met that person yet we start to panic because the script is telling us this isn't how it should be and exactly like you just said maybe there's I mean, I know for a fact that there are lots of benefits to being single. And I think that COVID has thrown up lots of comparison, right? It's thrown up the mm-hmm. comparison of the single woman living alone, thinking I'm lonely. Um, you know, I wish I was surrounded by people. And then like you said, the mum of three who's stuck indoors with three kids and, and is really stressed, um, think, and, but still feels lonely in connection to her other half. Um, you know, and then also the people who, you know, the couple who are trying to have a kid and can't and looking at all the families, um, the pictures online, like everyone has their own story. And I think it's our personal responsibilities to try and rewrite our own scripts in our heads to understand that the stigma is just a stigma and the situation is is what it is and we can always compare ourselves and say that we're better off than that person or we wish we were in that person at the end of the day no one knows what everyone's going through anyway even if we try and compare
1: and it's all about you know letting go of your ego and this perfect vision of a timeline like I in the past few years you know I've I'm starting to come to terms with Maybe I don't need four children, two boys, two girls, perfectly spaced apart. You know, why do I want children? Because I want to be a loving mother. I want to experience what kind of love I can give and how that would feel, and, you know, making a human with the love of my life. Like, but it's not about the number of children, really. At the end of the day, I'm searching for that feeling. So maybe I don't have that half to have the perfect Mm -hmm. amount of children. And at my age, you know, maybe starting having kids at 36 four would be kind of hard to do. I'm not sure. Um, but I think it's just not being so perfect about the timeline. And also a a wonderful thought that I tell myself when I am catching myself, comparing myself to friends with kids and everything, like, you know, maybe their kid is like eight or nine in our forties and mine's like two, but like what what's really the difference like we both have kids and I lived in New York City and lived seven eight nine years of crazy adventures traveling you know learning about myself and we both have kids in our 40s and we love them so there's not a difference
0: yeah exactly and I think we actually spoke about this um when we we connected before before we recorded this episode about how at the end of the day if you meet somebody and that person is going to be you know let's don't want to sound cheesy and romantic but a forever love or you know a long term life partner then mm-hmm. does it really matter if you meet them when you're 29 or 33 or 37 like in the long run and the grand scheme bigger picture of life uh, like you said you can make the most of all the experiences up until up until the point that you meet the person and then anyway what's the difference of five years of right not being if, single? What's
1: if you're married to someone for 40 years or 50 years you know yeah. so um yeah I think that's just a good little mind trick when you're feeling low and yeah. and worried about time ticking
0: <laughs> yeah definitely um okay so did you have any insights into um dating apps in terms of what you believe to be a successful dating app profile maybe some tips for our listeners about uh you know how they can utilize dating apps
1: yeah so i actually worked for a dating app um we were under the bumble branch and so i know a lot about dating apps and i remember the very first day I was living in San Francisco, and Tinder had launched, and it was the Super Bowl, and I could care less about American football. <laughs> and so I remember I was just sitting with some girlfriends, and someone had brought up this new app called Tinder, and for like four hours, when while the game was playing, we were just like mesmerized by this app that you could just see cute boys and swipe, and they would like you back, and it was uh-huh. just the cool thing. So. I have been on the apps from day one when they launched and I worked for one, so I know them very well. I've written about them. I've helped design them. So I know, um, kind of the ins and outs and, you know, the number one tip that I give everyone is put time into it. Even if you hate talking about yourself, it feels uncomfortable, you know, ask a friend, Hey, how would you How do you think that I would answer this question? Let's say it's a question like, um, what's your biggest strength? And you're like, I don't know, but ask like your best friend and maybe, you know, they'll have an answer and you're like, you know what? Okay. Maybe that is like a great strength of mine. I I should put that down. Um, but I think putting time into your profile shows that you are serious about dating. The same goes for when you are swiping on people. Um, if they're super lazy and they put two photos and write, like I like books and music, like if they're going to be so lazy about creating a profile and not spending like eight to 10 minutes on it, then why, why trust that they're going to put a lot of effort in, into dating, into planning your day into you know, getting to know you. So my number one tip is put time into it. Uh, My second tip is probably, to be your most authentic self. So my opening line is um I love Hinge. Hinge is my favorite right now because I think the profiles are just dynamic. I like all the prompt questions. Um I think you just get as much information as you can um from people's profiles versus any other dating app. So I think that's really important. But um they have a prompt on there that's what's the dorkiest thing about you? And even though I don't think it's dorky and I I love that I'm this way, I wrote, um, I listen to Oldie's music in the morning every time I make coffee. And I get responses all the time, like, oh my gosh, that's such a lovely prompt. That's not dorky, but I love that you do that. Yeah. And it's embarrassing sometimes, I guess, to say you like Oldie's music, or it's not like, you know, the cool thing, quote unquote, but just be yourself. Like, if you are obsessed with like knitting or your cat or a really niche subject of history, I don't know, anything that makes you, you put it in there because someone's going to see it that's your match and will light up when you say that. And you're going to have an even stronger connection. So, be your weirdest self and do not be afraid to say something weird because the weirder the better in my opinion because you'll just find your match that's also weird
0: and also the weirder the better because it's just a conversation starter right like you said like someone notices it and thinks oh that's not a regular thing to say it's not kind of the bland boring things like you said books and music whenever yeah. you see guys who like books and music you're like ah really that's an interesting uh, <laughs> that's eccentric oh, yeah. quirky oh, yeah. <laughs> but do you have any tips about how to start conversations with um with people online
1: um you know what it's pretty straightforward i look at a photo and i always say at least like always put more than 3 photos right. but like at least try to put 5 photos and don't put these perfectly cropped you know just photos of you like do your life, um, what you like to do. Like, so I'm actually a matchmaker as well. And I always tell my clients that are using the apps on the side, like if you have a dog or like you're obsessed with this one hike or country, like put in a picture of an image. Like it doesn't always have to just be you, you, you selfie, selfie, selfie. Mm -hmm. Um, so I usually for a conversation starter, I'll see something in their photo Or where they went to school or where they're from. And I just try to find some kind of connecting piece because usually if you swipe on someone subconsciously, there's already a connecting piece that you're like, Oh, okay. We might have a little bit in common. Cause you would never swipe right on someone that's totally, you know, a wall and doesn't have, you don't have anything in common with. So just try to think about why you like their profile and then reach out like, Oh my God, I really like your profile because that dog is so cute. And I grew up with a a poodle as well or whatever you know so yeah, just
0: like, try to find some commonality and make it original and not just hey how are you because I feel like that probably I'm sure receiving messages of just hi how are you probably isn't that fun and makes you just kind of nope next
1: <laughs> yeah and especially because people are more indoors right now I think people are getting more messages than ever so you know standing out is important
0: yeah yeah and do you have any any dating app stories or like experiences that you can you could share? I just
1: always tell people like I ha- I hate them as much as you do. Like don't get me wrong. Like I have a love hate. I have had bad dates from them. I think it's exhausting. I think it's so emotionally exhausting to you know, swipe right and talk to someone for a week and be all giddy. And then you just like never hear from them or the date is a total bust. Like Mm -hmm. I know what that feels like, but I've also had the most beautiful experiences. And one of my favorite dating app stories was it was two summers ago and it was like seven o'clock at night. It was a warm summer night in New York. And I just think it was like a Thursday night. So I had just um, got a facial no makeup, scrubby, walking home, calling my mom. And I get this chat from this match. And he was just this adorable looking British boy. And I'm obsessed with British men. It's like everyone in my life knows that. (laughs) Um, And he messaged me and he's like, what are you doing tonight? And I am not a super spontaneous person because like I kind of plan my days So I knew already what I was going to do Friday morning and, um, and I was like, uh, you know, he doesn't get to just like hang out with me on a whim. Like he should plan a date or like get to know me more. Usually that's my mentality, but for whatever reason this night, um, he was like, what are you doing? I'm only in town for a few days from London. Do you want to grab a drink at the Soho house, which is this cool club restaurant rooftop in the city. And so I didn't want to go alone Um, for some reason. I don't know why. So I invited my friend, Allie, and she came. And this guy had a friend with him as well. And we ended up having this epic night of, like, drinks. We went dancing. We got in a limo. We had champagne. And it was just this, like, out of a movie night. And then, you know, the next day, it's over. But And he went back to London. And we ended up dating for a little bit, but it just didn't. Work out, but it was such a fun, lovely life adventure. And to this day, it's my friend Ali and I's like one of our favorite nights in New York that we just like were in a limo with these two cute British men and like (laughs) had so many laughs and had such a fun time. So you uh, never know what can happen and who you can meet.
0: Exactly. And that's what's amazing about dating apps. You're right that there are lots of, I guess, like we talked about the taboo of dating apps and the stigma. And yeah, it is hard. I also have used dating apps. Not for a few years now, um, but before my last relationship, I I met my boyfriend on on Tinder, and before that, I was um, using Tinder. Like that, I was. I guess it was in the first years that it came out, and it didn't have as much of a bad reputation as it does now in the in the dating app uh, market. Um, mm-hmm. But for all of the bad dates that there were, and believe me, there were, there was just yeah. sometimes some amazing spontaneous dates, just like you said. And I remember one of my best dates was uh, I met someone and you know, when you just meet them and you just click and it's like a good connection and a good vibe. And I, we went to go and sit in a bar and then in the end suggested, ah, oh, should we take these drinks to go? And just ended up walking around Tel Aviv and the city on like a really warm night. And then I remember like stopping off at a few different bars to drink a beer. And then we eventually ended up in watching some live music. and. I always remember that night thinking, wow, I just had no idea before I was chatting to this guy on on Tinder that it was going to be so fun. So I think it's nice to remind our listeners that even when the bad dates are there, and they are, every so often you just have one great, amazing first date, even if that's all it is, a first date, um, Mm -hmm. it does make it worth it.
1: Exactly. And it's like, there are the memories that you'll look back on for the rest of your lives, you know, and it's not to say that everyone's going to have these like exciting dates. Like it, it is, you know, it's every so often that it happens, but I always go into every day trying to learn something new from someone or just to have a nice chat with like a stranger. And even if I don't have any romantic connection or physical connection Most people are kind. I try to give them the benefit of the doubt. And like, you know, it wasn't a romantic match and I'm bummed I have to go back on the app. But like, I had a nice chat with someone for an hour and maybe he told me a funny story about whatever, you know. So um, it's just about
0: connecting with people and not taking every date so seriously. 100% agree with that. And I do think I work with that a lot on my clients of being like, you know, just see this as an opportunity to be open, open, put yourself out there. The worst case is that you have a funny story to tell your friends. The best case is that you meet the love of your life and everything in between is just experience. And it's in a way it's networking, right? It's just going out there exactly like you said, hearing different people's stories. And I guess I'm actually now just connecting the dots in my head that I always really loved dating in the past. And a lot of my friends got really annoyed at me when I used to say that because Of the whole dating is terrible stigma, but I enjoy it because I love so much meeting new people and hearing people's stories and just like I love obviously psychology and understanding human behavior. So I guess if you go into it with the belief of oh maybe let's just see who I can meet and and you know what interesting conversation I can have and take off that you know huge pressure of is this going to be the love of my life then it almost just can become something that is just a bit fun.
1: Totally. And I also really do struggle with social anxiety. So, and I always have. So I do, I mean, to this day, I probably get nervous for every day. And I have been on over a hundred dates probably in my life. And um, I still get nervous, but once you're there and you go, and usually at the end, you're like, okay, well, I'm glad I went and I got out of the house and I gave it a shot, you know, so.
0: Exactly. And I also suffer with social anxiety and meeting new people in any situation like dating or you know even with work stuff or friends anything always kind Mm -hmm. of you know sweaty palms oh my god what's it going to be like and like nervous before um but then in the end like you said the first few minutes is always a little bit nervous the hello and the where should we sit and what should we drink and all everything like that but Mm -hmm. in the end I guess after the first few minutes it's like okay we're here now and it's fine
1: (laughs) And I've learned too, like I always joke around, like the one gift the universe gives you about turning 30 is that you finally start liking yourself. Yeah. And I do think that's true that when you turn 30, you perhaps it's just, you're so fed up with all the years of caring so much about what others think. Um, but you just kind of do start loving yourself more. And so having that mentality too of loving yourself and knowing who you are and liking who you are, I think is really helpful with social anxiety and then even going into dating. Um, so I think dating in my thirties is probably more successful than in my twenties. Um, just in terms
0: of like confidence and stuff. Exactly. And that's really the message that I really want to put out today. The main message of what we're talking about is that despite the outward stigma of dating in your 30s, at the end of the day, it's better than dating in your 20s. I won't repeat what you said, but I could not agree more. And it's about confidence. It's about knowing who you are. It's about accepting who you are and also boundaries. And when I was in my 20s and I was dating, I just... I didn't know myself well enough to know my limits and to understand I won't be treated like that. And it just was like, oh, okay, like, let's just go along and see what happens. Whereas now, no, 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 no. Like things are so different.
1: I love that. I boundaries, I think, is like super important. And, you know, you don't want to just expect perfection out of people. But um, I really do believe that if in two or you go on a date, let's say you have an epic date for day and you're like, oh my God. And then you kind of tell your friends and you're like, could this be something? Oh my God. That was just like, we had such a connection. We talked for three hours, blah, blah, blah. Or we went on a walk all around town. If in like two or three weeks from the first date, you do not know if they're into you, no, it's no. probably it's probably, they're probably not. And it's maybe not, they're not into you. They're just not into dating you, which means maybe they're not even into dating. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can't take it personally, but like, if you're confused after two or three weeks, then no, I don't think that there should be this, like, we are going back and forth, playing it cool, like waiting four days to text, trying to write the perfect text. Like, you, you know, if someone's into you after a couple weeks. So Um, create those boundaries
0: if someone's not then move on to the next which is totally something that I think some 20 year olds definitely like have that down already but I think a lot of people as they grow up as they experience um you know dating when they know themselves more you know we definitely definitely higher our standards and it's something very important yeah yeah um so we've just been discussing before that you are about to launch your own uh, startup in relation to dating uh, called Scoops. And I thought it would be great if you could just explain a little bit about what it is and why it's going to completely change the the dating app space.
1: Yes, I would love to. So You know, I think there's a lot of dating app fatigue out there, Um, exactly what we just discussed about all of it. There's a lot of emotional energy that goes into putting yourself out there, starting these mini conversations, setting up the date, getting excited for the date, spending an hour getting ready. I think it's the average woman spends over an hour getting ready for every first date and and less than 15% of first dates ever go to the second date. Wow. so we spend so much physical energy, emotional energy going on dates. Um, it's really hard. And, like I said, people are inundated with messages, um, and you only get a few photos. So, you know, I could see a really cute British man. He has a photo with his grandma. seems like he has a good job. He's stable. I could swipe right. and then, I could find out three dates in that he doesn't want children and um, his communication style is very different. He prefers like one short text a day. I'm someone that like loves to have witty banter, Mm -hmm. you know? So you don't really know a lot about someone. And so that's why there's so much dating app fatigue right now. So I don't think the answer is creating another dating app. Like I do not want to date, create another dating app and create another profile when I already have three or four right now but I think the answer is fixing the dating apps that are already happening. So I created scoops, which is like a widget, uh, like a tool. Mm -hmm. Um, And really what it is, is it's a quiz that you can put into your dating app match chat and you both fill it out and get each other's answers. So you'll get a personal link and you'll put the link into your dating app match. And it's a, really in-depth, smart quiz that will cover every every relationship quadrant that you want to know. So it's like asking the crazy questions that you really want to ask on a first date, but can't, and it's a safe space to do so. So when would you want to have children? Is it three years? Is it five years? Is it never? Um, what's kind of your financial situation? What kind of travel style do you like to do? Are you someone that needs like adventurous water sports? Are you someone that like wants to go on culinary adventures? Are you someone that loves to be in the sun? Are you someone that absolutely hates the sun? Um, so it's just, it covers all the stuff that you really want to know. Um, one of my favorite parts that it covers is sex. And so it covers your thoughts about oral sex, how often you want to have sex, what's your sex drive. Mm -hmm. So, um, basically all the reasons why people break up, I've tried to put into this quiz and I've spent about a couple hundred hours and asking experts too of like, what questions would help people really like understand their matches better for long-term compatibility. So once you both fill it out, you get each other's answers and then you can decide from there if it's worth going on a date. So it's just kind of putting an extra level into your dating app matches to make sure that you're both aligned on your timelines and just your personal values Mm
0: -hmm. wow it sounds amazing and like it can completely transform the way that people interact you know on the on all the apps how -hmm. does it work in terms of so if i'm going to use it have you already set the questions and everyone has the same list of questions or can i choose my own questions
1: no, right now I think I'm just going to keep it pretty simple. Mm-hmm. So it takes about seven to nine minutes and it goes back to like putting time into your dating app match. Yeah. If you're talking to someone and they don't want to fill out this quiz that takes seven to nine minutes, then they probably don't want to put a lot of energy into dating in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now it's just a pretty neutral quiz that takes that long, mm-hmm. um, and then as it evolves, I think I would love to be able to put in your own personal questions. Yeah. But really, it allows space to make the quiz yourself. So you're allowed to type in your deal breakers, the certain interests you're looking for in a partner. Um, there's a section called the baggage box, and I talk about how baggage isn't always a bad thing. It could be carry on baggage, it could be checked baggage, but. Mm-hmm. Did you just get out of a relationship? Um, Do you have anxiety? Like, it's best to be so honest upfront. And if someone is so accepting of you upfront, with you being more vulnerable, then they're probably going to accept you even more. And I find too, just during my testing of scoops, that couples are liking being more vulnerable with each other because their conversations go deeper and you immediately kind of like the person because they're sharing this like personal information with you. So there's a section about like the holidays and childhood, like how were the holidays for you? Was it, was it split up? Were you running between mom and dad's house? Um, you know, were was it really picture perfect? And you took pictures in front of the fireplace mantle, like what was it like for you? And it's just, you know, I think inherently we love hearing other people's, stories and it just builds a stronger bond
0: yeah and I also I I love what you just said at the start is that if someone takes that time seven to nine minutes to fill out this questionnaire this quiz about Mm -hmm. themselves that just shows that they're serious for me if I even saw that they'd filled it out and there were some things on there that were compatible and there was no like there was no deal deal breakers yeah I'm gonna go out with that person because they're serious and they you know they know themselves and they are comfortable enough to share and I, th- I love the idea. I think that it's making dating deeper from the outset.
1: Thank you. And I think going back to turning 30, you know, we do know more about what we want. So, you know, I don't think it should be a tool where people just get everyone's answers and then write each other off if they don't have the perfect answer. I think you should have some kind of, um, uh, like, wiggle room to see, like, could you be with someone that has this situation, this situation, you know? Um, But it really does cover all the things that you want to know because I don't want to date someone for a month and find out that they have a very different sex drive. Their conflict resolution is very different. um, The way they see religion, the way – how they get their news or, or, you know, do they read books? Do they – whatever it is. So I would rather just know a month in at this age at 34 or I would rather know right away than waste a month.
0: For sure. No, I think that it's a great initiative and I'm really excited for you and good luck with the, with the launch. Thank you. Thank you. So just before we finish, I wanted to just ask for your tips on dating. So just for all of our listeners, uh, when I published on uh, Instagram that we were having uh, this episode, I received so many messages uh, about the different tips. Um, Like I said, asking already what you went over about uh, profile tips, which you've already given and um, some mindset tips that I think that we have shared throughout the episode. But I just wanted to leave with any other pieces of advice that you could give to somebody who is uh, turning 30 or in their 30s and dating.
1: Yeah. Um, I think the best advice is to keep reading, keep learning about yourself and about relationships because the more you read and learn about it, I think the more comforted you are in on your journey. So I have two books that I cannot recommend enough. I call them the dating Bibles. And I think every every woman should read both of these books. And, you know, I do wish that I read both of them when I was in my early twenties, but now I have crazy examples to um, use to compare these books to. But um, the first dating book is called Attached and it's about attachment theory, which you briefly mentioned earlier, but it will explain why you're anxious if they don't text you back or why you are having crazy thoughts in your head that they don't like you, um, or why you're finding yourself doing silly things and like punishing them and not texting back for five hours. And like, it just like helps you manage your emotions. Um, And so there are different types of attachment styles we can have. That one is an anxious attachment style. There's another attachment style called avoidant, where... It's really hard for you to get deep and vulnerable with someone. and um, it's really easy to be avoidant and not even know you're being avoidant. And so, if you find yourself not getting into deep relationships or maybe you're in a lot of micro relationships that don't last really more than three months, um, it's important to kind of examine your attachment style mm-hmm. and find out maybe why you're doing that. So, I really love that book and I really recommend it. It's a super quick read. You could read it in a day or two. My second favorite book is actually one I just finished in quarantine and it's called The Course of Love. And this book breaks down a relationship from first meet and infatuation to being married for 15, 20 years. And the premise of it is that love in the storybooks and in the movies is the infatuation phase and the very beginning maybe of marriage. That's what we see of love. And then the story ends. But love is really just like 10 years in, already having children, not having sex for a month or two, not having the connection that we did when we first met 10 years earlier, but sticking through it and having a place of understanding for your partner. So this book breaks down everything from infatuation to For sexual feelings and experiences with this person, to dating them, to getting engaged, to what it feels like when you do have children, to what it feels like if you um, have adultery and cheat on someone. It covers the whole range of a relationship and gives kind of both sides to it. And I think it's just really beautiful to read because it makes you realize that relationships are not perfect and we do think that like if we have a fight or an argument that our relationship is wrong and it's really a lot more normal than we think
0: yeah so I've also read that book actually I think I read it around a year ago it's uh, just to repeat it's The Course of Love by uh, Alan de Botton and it's mm-hmm. one of the best books on love that I've ever read. And I love reading everything about relationships um, for all the reasons that you said. It's just so honest and well-written. And I recommend to everybody, uh, to if you've not already read it, to go out and read it and also to um, read his other books because he just has such interesting insights into love and relationships. Uh, but thank you so much for those recommendations. And I'm going to throw another one, one in there that really changed the way I or dating and also relationships and that's um the five love languages so um i think that it's become quite mainstream now to talk about love languages but i'll just quickly summarize what it is it's that um there are five different ways that people can express love and receive love and usually people have one dominant language so the five different love languages are from the top of my head, I hope I get this correct. Um, is communication, so expressing through words, which is a lot of people's main love language, or it's it's my, it's my main love language. Um, acts of service, so doing things for people, which shows you that shows them that you love them. Uh, quality time, so spending time together. Uh, gifts, so giving, and affection, which isn't just like physical. Uh, it's not just sex it's also kind of you know hugging and and touching and anything around physical touch um and that really changed my my perception of dating because I'm somebody whose primary love language is um is communication and words and I really need that the verbal kind of I'm also anxiously attached. So I would say that as well, bring the books together. Um, and mm-hmm. so it's somebody who really feels secure by hearing words, hearing I love you's, hearing, you know, about things to make me feel more secure in the relationship. And um, in my last relationship, when I was with somebody who did not have their primary or any love language was uh, was words, it made me feel when I was dating them that something was really off. And then I read this book and I realized that they were showing me that they loved me but just in their own language. And their language was acts of service by doing things for me. Um, and when I read that book, I was a couple of months in dating and I was questioning the relationship and my mum actually uh, gave it to me and said, just read this and it saved my relationship. So I always like to recommend that to anybody dating to go and do the quiz. It's by Gary Chapman, I believe. Um, And it really helps you understand how you give and receive love.
1: Yeah, it's, I would say those are probably the, that's the trifecta of relationship books. You want to understand yourself and understand your partner and their thinking. Those are amazing books.
0: The top ones. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Brittany. It's been such a pleasure talking to you about all things dating yes anytime (laughs) amazing um do you want to just share um with the listeners where they can find out more about you
1: yeah so you can follow me on instagram it's 30 waves spelled out so it's t-h-i-r-t-y-w-a-v-e-s and um to test out my dating app link as well, um, in beta mode. So you will be actually one of the first people to test it out because it is just launching at the same time that this comes out. Um, you can go to scoopslink.com. So it's S C O O P S link.com. And you can get your personal link there and start getting better
0: dating app matches. (laughs) Amazing, love that. So thank you again. And thank you for everyone for tuning into this episode. If you have enjoyed it, then please don't forget to share it uh, and also to uh, review it and give it five stars if you love it. um, And to subscribe so that you can uh, hear when the first episodes are coming out. And thank you everyone again. Have a good night.